A 15-mile tributary of the Kanuyak River that rose in the northernmost foothills of the Quilocks, drained south-southwest, and in high water was navigable to just above the Smith Homestead. The creek formed the homestead's eastern lot line. The homestead had been previously owned by an Alaskan old fart who had staked a gold claim on Beaver Creek and had proved up on the homestead by building a cabin there and living in it. Thirty years later, on the other side of a bad divorce, he'd been in a hurry to vacate the premises before his ex-wife, also known as Rebecca the Raptor, nudged her lawyer into investigating the property title with a view toward adding it to her rapidly accumulating pile of marital assets. Father Smith had furnished the capital, and Parkrat Lewis Deem, the insider knowledge, and together they had gone equal partners on the purchase. Things became complicated when Lewis was murdered, but now, at long last, Judge Singh in Atna had ruled on his petition and granted Father Smith clear title and sole ownership. Joint rights of survivorship was a fine statutory phrase. Father Smith had Atna attorney Pete Wheeler draw up his own will immediately afterward. Seventeen heirs, eighteen if you counted Mother Smith, could prove troublesome to each other and to the courts, but that... Lord willing, was a long time off, and not to be worried over at present. Man proposes, God disposes. Judge Singh had arrived at her verdict despite a feeble and barely legal protest from Louis Deem's roommate, sycophant and de facto co-heir Howie Katelnikov, and a more ably argued but equally futile complaint by the Parks Service. Father Smith did not consider Howie as a future problem, the Park Service was another matter. Their proprietary regard for all lands within their boundaries, well known to park rats, whether the property had been grandfathered in or not. Father Smith had no doubt there were legal challenges from the Park Service in the future. God tested the faithful in many ways. But now it was time to revel in the present. Time now to draw up plans to extract the gold he knew was there. Never mind the old fart's assertion that he'd never pulled out more than an ounce of dust at a time. A sluice box, perhaps, Creekside. Or dare he think it, a dredge. A small one to begin with, and then he'd see. God helps those who help themselves. A smile spread beneath the thick white beard that flowed from chin to waist. His Carhartt bibs were frayed and stained, the black and red plaid Pendleton shirt beneath it patched and faded and the extra tufts on his feet looked like they'd been gnawed on by ferrets. But there was a spring in his step and a sparkle in the bright blue eyes beneath the brim of his hat. He wore the creased and grimy leather fedora at a sober angle, as befit a man of substance and property. He'd hitched a ride from the courthouse in Atna to Nanilkna with Martin Shugak, who had a crush on Abigail, the eldest of Father Smith's daughters. In a place where men outnumbered women seven to one, that crush was shared by every other male park rat between the ages of sixteen and forty. Abigail, erstwhile fiancé of the late Louis Deem, and the seal on the land between the two men, remained uninterested. On the whole, Father Smith was pleased. He wanted a suitor for Abigail who would bring something more to the Smith table than raging testosterone. A strong back, a willingness to work, and his own caterpillar backhoe loader, say. By all accounts, Martin Shugak was not that man. But a ride from Atna to Nanilkna over fifty miles of lumpy, bumpy, unmaintained gravel road, offered for whatever reason, was not to be refused.
Martin let him off at the edge of town after trying and failing to secure an invitation to dinner at some future date. Nanilno was in the throes of its Memorial Day celebration, which featured a parade to be followed shortly thereafter by a potluck barbecue at the gym. The parade began with the white blazer with the gold shield of the Alaska State Troopers on the door, moving in slowly and stately fashion up Riverside Drive, followed by a dozen veterans in clean but tattered uniforms, marching proudly out of step. With Dmitri Totemoff and George Perry carrying the flags, and Bobby Clark driving Jeff Talbot's camo jeep with Miss Nanilpna sitting in the back seat. Someone had coached her in the beauty queen wave, elbow-elbow, wrist-wrist. An anonymous flatbed had been commandeered by the Nanilna Native Association and was manned by the four aunties, sitting in a half-circle on upright wooden chairs, a quilt checkered with the colors of all 50 state flags spread